And it's good to see everyone here today. So I just want to say um, a few of these slides are, as you can see, a little off kilter. Uh, but uh, it's supposed to say Jesus on Revelation's bitter book. <laughs> Uh, so there's a few of them that are like that, but most of them, uh, most of them are all right. But so if you've, uh, let's see, if you've been coming to uh, the Jesus on Prophecy seminar, uh, then you've been hearing uh, hearing Pastor Nathaniel uh, do a great job in presenting truth night by night. Uh, and building a really good case uh, for uh, the fact that uh, that the Adventist Church is not simply another denomination, but it is an end-time movement. So, do we have anything else in Scripture that uh, reveals this? Is there any other part of the Bible that... Uh, that we can see that truth in. Well, we go back to the book of Revelation and we see in Revelation 14, you can read about the message of the last day church. In Revelation 12, you can read about the identifying marks of the last day church. But in Revelation 10, you can read about the prophetic rising of God's last day church. And so that's what this uh, sermon is about. Uh, Revelation 10, the prophetic rising of God's last day church. So uh, before we begin, uh, uh, just ask that you bow your heads with me for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for loving us the way you do. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for all the truth that we've been learning here from the Jesus on Prophecy Seminar. And Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to be with us just now. Fill our hearts and fill our minds. And Lord, please be with me in a special way. Lord, please speak through me. And, uh, and just, Lord, we ask you to be our teacher tonight, today, because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty, so we begin in Revelation 10, verse 1. It says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. And so we see this angel, and he has one foot on the sea, which means a populated area, right? Do you remember that? And his other foot is on the earth, which means an unpopulated area. And so this message is for the whole world. It's for everyone. And we see a little book in the angel's hand which is open. 
So what is this little book in the angel's hand? Daniel 12, verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and do what? Seal the book until the time of the end. Daniel 9, uh, 12, verse 9, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Sealed till the time of the end. So what is the little book in the angel's hand? Is Daniel a little book? And was it sealed by God till the last days? Friends, Daniel is the only prophetic book in scripture that was ever said to be sealed or closed. However, in the time of the end, as predicted in Revelation 10, it would be opened and unsealed. In other words, it would be able to be understood. And well, Revelation 10 is a prophecy of the time when this little book of Daniel would become open. And so we see some parallels between Daniel 12 and Revelation 10. In Daniel 12, we see a sealed book. In Revelation 10, we also have a unsealed book. In Daniel 12, we have standing by a body of water. In Revelation 10, they're also standing by a body of water. In Daniel 12, we read about a solemn oath. In Revelation 10, we read about a solemn oath. In Daniel 12, we read about time prophecies. In Revelation 10, we also read time prophecies. In Daniel 12, it talks about the time of the end. And in Revelation 10, it says time no longer. In Daniel 12, we have a trial and a test. In Revelation 10, there is also a trial and a test. In Daniel 12, we have a future appointment. And in Revelation 10, an appointment to share with the world. In Daniel 12, the book is closed. In Revelation 10, the book is open. So the time prophecies of the book of Daniel would be sealed until the time of the end. Daniel 12, verse 9, And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. So when would the time of the end begin? The time of the end began during the 1260 years prophecy from 538 to 1798 when the papal power would receive its deadly wound. And we have Sir Isaac Newton, who was a man of science, but he was also a Bible scholar. And notice what uh, Sir Isaac Newton said in his studies. This is what he came to the conclusion of. Uh, he said in his commentary, about the time of the end, after 1798, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies. Interesting. So in the 1800s, after the 1260 years, God began to restore 
long lost, forgotten truths to God's people. In fact, it's kind of, it, it's a dual application because not only uh, did, uh, not only did the, uh, uh, the time prophecy, uh, the timeline, culminate in uh, judgment and the, the sanctuary to be cleansed, but also the sanctuary on earth, uh, truth was being restored and being cleansed. And so many people from all denominations began to study their Bibles in depth, especially the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. Uh, Revelation 10, verse 5, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be what? Time no longer. So what is the longest time prophecy in the book of Daniel? Daniel 8 verse 14 says, And he said to me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. And so we see this prophetic timeline that God gave to Daniel, which starts in 457 B.C. and culminates all the way down to 1844, where we read about the cleansing of the sanctuary or the judgment. So the book of Daniel, in, the, in Daniel chapter 7, talks about the 1260-year prophecy of Daniel, and that's what marked the beginning of the time of the end. The end of the 2300-year prophecy marked the beginning of the time of the final judgment before Jesus would come. Uh, the 2300-year prophecy would be the final time prophecy of Scripture because Revelation 10 said there would be time no longer after the end of the 2300 years. So there are no more time prophecies in the Bible that go beyond the 2300-year prophecy. Revelation 10, verse 7, But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, and as he declared to his servants the prophets, but what is the mystery of God? Colossians 1.27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? The finishing of the mystery of God is his final powerful proclamation of the gospel to the entire world by God's last day church. So how would this happen? What happens next in the prophecy that reveals the early experience of God's last day movement? Revelation 10 verse 8, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. 
Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. So what is the little book in the angel's hand? It's the book of Daniel. Amen? So what does it mean to eat a book? Has anybody here ever eaten a book? You think it would taste very good? How about this? Has anyone here ever devoured a book? Have you ever read a book in your hands and it just was so compelling to you that you couldn't put it down? And you just wanted to keep reading and reading? But what does the Bible say about this? In Jeremiah 15, verse 16, your words were found and I what? Ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. But he answered, this is Jesus speaking, uh, answering the devil. Uh, when the devil tried to tempt him in Matthew 4 verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So, to eat the little book means that Daniel would be studied diligently. Amen? So again, we have our friend Sir Isaac Newton reminding us about the time of the end. After 1798, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies. And so in the early 1800s, during the Great Awakening, after the 1260 years, people from all denominations began to study in depth the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, just like Revelation 10 predicted. And so what were they studying? They began to see from the prophecies that Jesus would come back soon. And this thought was very sweet to them. So where did they get this idea? Daniel 8, verse 14, And he said to me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. And so again, we see this divine, prophetic time period that God gave to Daniel, starting in 457 B.C. You got the 490 years, the decree began there in 457, predicted uh, the Messiah, the anointing of the Messiah, his baptism. Uh, it talks about in uh, AD 31 where he would be crucified. And in uh, AD 34, uh, the gospel went out to the Gentiles and culminating all the way down to 1844, the cleansing of the sanctuary or the judgment. Yeah, that circle doesn't look right, does it? All right, so faithful Bible students believe that the cleansing of the sanctuary was the cleansing of the earth by fire. And they anticipated that Christ would come at the end of the 2300 years in 1844. Again, our friend Sir Isaac Newton is reminding us about the time of the end after 1798, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies. And so one of these men was William Miller. 
1818, a recent convert to Christianity came to the shocking conclusion that Jesus Christ would personally and visibly return to the earth to set up his eternal kingdom in about 25 years, in 1844. That conclusion filled William Miller with both joy and some uneasiness. And you know, he wasn't the only one who was preaching this. This same message and these prophecies were being preached all around the world. It was being preached in England, in Denmark, in Sweden, Norway, Germany, Asia, South America. In fact, at the end of the 1260 years of Daniel 12, verse 7, a renewed interest in the second coming of Christ swept America and Europe and was felt in the farthest missionary outposts in Asia and Africa. And many of these fervent people believed that the 2300-day prophecy of Daniel predicted the return of Jesus. And so, according to this uh, historian, Christian historian, C.M. Maxwell, uh, Maxwell, hearts were filled with joy and holy excitement as thousands took their stand for Jesus. Through the preaching of one of the Advent preachers, William Miller, the Methodist churches gained 40,000 new members, and the Baptist church gained 45,000 new members. So what happens next in the prophecy that turns the sweetness to bitterness? Revelation 10, verse 10, Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. So we had a bittersweet experience. And when Christ did not come as they expected, they were bitterly disappointed. It was sweet in the mouth, but bitter in the belly because Jesus didn't come. So here's a, uh, a quote from Hiram Edson. Hiram Edson was a pioneer of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, and so he was alive during this time. He, ex he went through this experience, and so here's what he had to say about it. Our fondest hopes and expectations were blasted, and such a spirit of weeping came over us as I never experienced before. It seemed that the loss of all earthly friends could have been no comparison. We wept and wept till the day dawned. And so, because of the prophetic uh, prophecies, the timelines of Daniel, uh, we had a sweet experience which turned bitter. There was great joy, but it ended in bitter sorrow and disappointment. So how did those people who were from many different denominations respond when Christ did not return as expected? So, some gave up religion completely. Others set new dates for the advent. Most churches totally gave up on studying Bible prophecy. And, but you had a small number of believers, Bible-believing Christians who began searching and studying their Bibles again. And as these disappointed people searched their Bibles, what do you think they found? 
First thing they found was that the dates were correct. The date of the prophetic timeline was correct. This timeline accurately pinpoints the baptism of Jesus Christ in 27 AD. And in, in uh, Daniel chapter 9, it talked about Messiah the Prince who would be cut off, but not for him, but for his people. And he would cause the oblations or the sacrifices to cease. AD 31. And then at the end of the 490 year probationary time, whoops, oops, uh oh, I got messed up here. There we go. Uh, yeah, the, the gospel went out to the Gentiles. And so if these dates were correct, then it just follows that the, uh, the rest of the prophecy would be correct too. Does that make sense? Amen. So what actually happened in 1844? The real sanctuary to be cleansed in 1844 was the heavenly one, not the earthly one as they thought. Uh, these Bible students began to see that in 1844, Jesus began the work of final judgment in heaven. And you can read uh, about that in Hebrews 8, uh, verses 1 and 2. So the dates were correct. So what really happened in 1844? Judgment began. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation 14, verse 7. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. So unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So the Seventh-day Adventist church is the only church that understands that in 1844, that's when the judgment began in heaven. The Seventh-day Adventist church is the only church that really understands what Jesus is doing in heaven today as our high priest. So many people have asked this question. How can the Seventh-day Adventist church be God's last day church if it experienced disappointment in its roots? So let me uh, take you to another great disappointment. Right there. You know, his disciples were not expecting that. Even though he told them on several different occasions, he told them, Son of Man is going to be delivered up to the authorities, he's going to be crucified and be raised again on the third day, or after the third day, or in three days. I mean, depending on which account. But Jesus tried to warn him what was going to happen. But yet, when this happened, they were totally unprepared for it. And notice what we see them saying uh, in Luke 24, verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Their hopes were completely dashed at the death of Jesus. And they, they just assumed that it was the end of the story. But we know that it wasn't the end of the story, amen? Jesus 
just like he said he was going to do, resurrected from the grave, rose again, and after he rose, he told them this in Acts 1, verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. So, in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus continues, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that whithersoever I have commanded thee. So, God brings joy out of disappointment. Amen? God brings victory out of defeat. Amen? So, let's look at some uh, parallels here uh, between the uh, New Testament church and the end time church, the Seventh-day Adventist church. Students of prophecy in the New Testament church believe Christ was in an earthly kingdom in A.D. 31. Instead, Jesus died and resurrected and began his high priest ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. In the end time church... Students of prophecy believed Christ would set up an earthly kingdom in returning to earth in 1844, but instead Jesus began the work of final judgment in heaven. In the New Testament church, they were bitterly disappointed at the cross, and yet it turned into a divine appointment because of the resurrection. The end time church there was a, they were, again were bitterly disappointed that Jesus didn't come, and yet it was turned to a divine appointment as they realized that the final judgment hour of earth had began. The New Testament church directed attention to the ministry of Christ as high priest in the heavenly sanctuary when he ascended to heaven. The end time church directed attention to the ministry of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary in 1844 when the judgment began. The New Testament church was born out of a disappointment at the beginning of Christ's work of ministry in the heavenly sanctuary in the holy place. The end time church, Seventh-day Adventist church, was born again out of a disappointment at the beginning of the work of judgment in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. The New Testament church preached the message of Christ's death and resurrection to the world. The end time church preached the message of Christ's death and resurrection to the world. And, and the three angels' messages, God's final message to the world right before Jesus comes back. So, both the disciples in the early church and the believers in the last day church would experience a bitter disappointment that God would turn into a divine appointment. And so here we see Jesus in the most holy place, standing before the ark in the temple of God, uh, as we have in Revelation 11, verse 19. And so what is in the ark? the Ten Commandments. 
And what is the heart of the Ten Commandments? What is in the heart of the law? The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So the group that went through the experience of Revelation 10, the great disappointment, that group rediscovered the Bible Sabbath and began proclaiming it to the world. Revelation 12, verse 17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what is the testimony of Jesus Christ? Revelation 19, verse 10, The testimony of Jesus is what? Spirit of prophecy. So the last day church would have an understanding of Christ's work in the heavenly sanctuary, the work of judgment. The last day church would have an understanding of the true Bible Sabbath. And it would also have an understanding of end time Bible prophecies. You know, friends, I remember once uh, I, was, uh, I was in Ollie's. And, uh, you know, they have a, a book section in Ollie's. And there was a whole, like, 12, 15, 16, I don't know, several volumes. Uh, and it was a Bible commentary. And it was all beautifully leather bound and gold tapered edges on the paper. I was very tempted to buy it. I said, well, let me see what it's. So I looked, I looked up the one, took out the volume that was speaking about Revelation, opened it up to Revelation, Daniel, uh, Revelation chapter 12. And it was talking about, in Revelation 12, that's the one where you, you have the image of the beast. So it's actually talking about people setting up a literal image and bowing down to it. Now, friends, I mean, that's like a, a kindergarten interpretation of the book of Revelation. <laughs> and, and, and it's just sad to say that there's so much of that out in the world today. That's why the Bible calls it Babylon. You know, there's so much confusion out there, and they take things that are obviously symbolic, and they put a literal interpretation to it. And then they take things that are meant to be interpreted literally, and they try to explain it all away uh, through symbolically. And it's just craziness, friends. But uh, so God's, that's, that's one of the marks of, that's how we know we're, we have a correct understanding of Bible prophecy. And I know the pastor, uh, Nathaniel, went deep into that about all the different various ways you can, you can uh, interpret it. But so the last day church uh, is the only church, the Seventh-day Adventist church is the only church today that is preaching the threefold message, the three angels' message of Revelation 14. And it's the only church that has the end time characteristics of Revelation 12 and 14 that uh, Pastor Nathaniel uh, preached to you or already preached to you about. And it's the only church that was born out of the experience of Revelation 10 from disappointment, like the early, just like the early disciples. So yes, friends, we can be certain that the Seventh-day Adventist church is, in fact, God's last day church. God brings triumph out of tragedy. So after the disappointment, what would God call his last day church to do? 
Revelation 10, verse 11. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Here we have the three angels from Revelation chapter 14 coming down from heaven, proclaiming with a loud voice the three angels' message, Revelation 14 and 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Friends, these prophecies are being fulfilled today in God's last day church. Today, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the most widespread and fastest growing Protestant denomination in the world, with a presence in nearly every nation around the globe. It's the church today being faithful to the whole Bible of truth, God's commandments, all of God's commandments, and preaching the three angels' messages while patiently waiting for Jesus to return. Revelation 14, 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Friends, the evidence is right in front of us. So friends, what is holding you back from being a part of God's last day movement. You know, friends, it's not about denominationalism. It's Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's not just another denomination, but it is a movement. And, you know, the Bible is a real book. It's not a dead book, but it's a book. And, you know, the things that God speaks in his book is speaking to us today. You know, remember uh, the verses I read to you uh, when, uh, when, when Jesus had been crucified, he resurrected, and he was speaking to the disciples? I just want to share that with you one more time. You know, as in Acts 1, I'll start in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power, and that the Holy Ghost is coming upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Friends, that's our promise today. Jesus is speaking that to us. Friends, I hope by now that you understood that those three angels coming down from heaven are not literal angels. Amen? But God is wanting you to be a part of that. We're, he's wanting us to be the angels. He's wanting his people to, to be the ones that are proclaiming this last day message. Friends, it's an end time movement. And God is calling you and me to be a part of it because he wants to use us. He wants to use you. He wants to use me in ways that you and I could never even think or imagine. Friends, doesn't that just thrill your soul? Isn't, isn't that exciting? Friends, is that your desire today to be a part of God's last day movement? And I ask you to stand as we... Uh,
as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you make things so clear in your word that no one can, can, can everyone can understand, Lord, that, uh, Lord, you have a people in this last day and that you are calling them to, uh, to spread your word, to spread the everlasting gospel and to be a witness for you. And Lord, we just thank you for that promise that, of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're asking you now, Lord, please give us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us grow and be in the people that you want us to be for you. And Lord, we're just so looking forward to when you come, Lord, that we can just see you face to face and meet with you and, and just spend eternity with you in heaven and on earth. Lord, we thank you for these things because we ask in Jesus' name. So our closing hymn...